Uh, I'm going to give you the title of the lesson. I'm going to run down through these uh, introductory slides kind of quickly here, and then I'm going to come back and pick up so that we can kind of understand these points that we're going to cover this morning. From John, the sixth chapter, we read 22 through 29. Actually, we're going to take a look at a much bigger section of that. We won't get through all of it, but it'll be 22 through 71. So labor for the bread that leads to everlasting life. Um, in John chapter 6 and verse 22, there's a period of controversy. I'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, who is Jesus and what does Jesus offer? That's where the controversy really comes in. So three points kind of to help us to understand that controversy. Labor for the bread that leads to everlasting life. Partake of true bread and then eat his flesh. This is a controversial statement that they had trouble with. Eat his flesh and drink his blood. So I'll just go ahead and put that first point up there. Labor for the bread that leads to everlasting life is the statement that Jesus is going to make. And as I mentioned just previously in verses 22 through 71, this is really talking about a period of time in Jesus' ministry is known as a period of controversy well into the second year. Jesus has several that are following him, but they're still not understanding exactly who he is and what his mission is. And it surrounds, or it revolves around, who is Jesus and what does he offer? In this particular context here, Jesus will say, I'm the bread of life. And in response, they will say, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph and Mary? <laughs> and then in regards to what does he offer? Jesus will say in about verse 63, the Spirit gives life, and the words that I speak, they are spirit, and they are life. But back in verse 26, they will come seeking Jesus, and Jesus will say, the reason why you come seeking me, the reason why you follow me, is because you ate of the loaves. <laughs> Jesus is offering something spiritual, and they are seeking something physical. Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life that has come down out of heaven. And they're saying, what? <laughs> you're just Jesus. We know your mother. We know your father. And so they don't understand who he is and really what he offers. I'm going to make a couple of points before we get right into this section of scripture. Luke, the 19th chapter, verse 10, Jesus will plainly state, the son of man came to seek and to save that which is lost. The miracles that he performs, and John records seven in his book. Therefore, this reason, so that you might come to believe on him, that you might come to understand who he is. But that's not really the way they see it. The way they see it is, wow, <laughs> he can feed us. He can give me something for today. And what Jesus is saying, I'm trying to give you something for eternity. And so what they're interested in is, can you, Jesus, make my life better today? A lot of people still want to know the same thing. Jesus, can you make my life better today? And I want to answer this unequivocally. Jesus can make your life better today. But you need to understand how he makes your life better today. Because sometimes 
You will see, and oftentimes we see, people who are followers of Jesus and they got the same problems that everybody else got in the world. <laughs> and then you say, well, how's Jesus making their life any better? Well, I'll tell you how he makes it better. He changes their focus. He changes their perspective. It's no longer just about this life. It's about eternity. And that's what Jesus is trying to get them to see. See, in the Old Testament book of Job, about the 14th chapter, Job is a man who suffered much in this life. But in Job, the 14th chapter, about verse 14, Job says, If a man dies, will he live again? You know what Job's saying? Oh, I'm suffering a lot in this life. But if I just knew that this life was not all there is, I could endure anything. In fact, if you back up in chapter 14 of Job to about the 7th verse, Job will see like a tree that has been cut down. Maybe you've seen that before yourself. A tree that has fallen down or a tree that has been cut down. And right there at the stump, there'll be that little sprout that grows up. You ever seen that? And Job says, oh, if I just knew. That's the way it was for a man. If this life is not all there is, then I can endure this life. So how is it that Jesus can make your life better today, even if he doesn't change your physical circumstances? He helps you to understand that this life is not all there is. <laughs> and doesn't that make it better? And doesn't that help you through those difficult times? That this is temporary? Jesus is trying to get them to see all their thinking is physical. And he's saying, I'm offering something spiritual. See what happens in this life? If you take the approach, the philosophy, the life that this life is all there is, Paul talks about this over in 1 Corinthians 15 chapter. He said, if this life is all there is, then we might as well eat, drink, and be merry. (laughs) Party up. This is as good as it gets. But what if it's not too good? (laughs) Then what? And this is all there is? You know what that leads to? Fatalism. Depression. That's what that leads to. And it leads to an approach to life which is very simply this. A lot of destructive behavior. And it could ruin your life and it could ruin the lives of the people around you. But if you have a different philosophy on life, that this life is not all there is, and that there's something that awaits, that changes your whole approach and focus and perspective on life. Now it makes a difference how you live. See, before, if you think this life is all there is, then what makes any difference how you live? What makes the difference between the preacher and the murderer? (laughs) Nothing. If this life's all there is. Immorality doesn't matter. But if there's something that awaits, that changes your approach in this life, doesn't it? Changes your view of it. And that's what Jesus is trying to get them to see. I am the bread that come down out of heaven. And they're saying, you're just the son of Joseph and Mary. (laughs) 
Jesus will say in verse 27 that the Father has set His seal on me. In other words, when you see these signs, that's proof that what I'm telling you is the truth. That's what Jesus is trying to get them to see. So in verses 25 through 27, bless you. In verse 25 through 27, Jesus is going to say this. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, because, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. Now let me just kind of summarize what's taking place here. This is the second day, actually, that they're talking about. Because on the previous day, Jesus has been on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee in an area called Bethsaida. And there was a multitude that was following him. And so Jesus decides that he's going to feed them. And there's one small, there's one boy there with a small lunch. He has five barley loaves and two fish. And he takes that, tells them, his disciples, to have the multitude sit down. And he blesses it. And then he feeds 5,000 men. There's probably much more that are there. But from that, he feeds them. That evening, his disciples go to the other side. Later, Jesus will follow and go to the other side. The next day, the multitude comes back looking for Jesus and he's not there. So they travel from the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee all the way to the western shore and they come looking for him. And in verse 25, they say, Rabbi, when did you come here? They don't care when he came there. They don't care how he got there. And so Jesus doesn't even answer that question. He just cuts straight to the chase. He goes, you follow me. Not because you saw the signs. Because the signs would prove who he was. But you're not following me for that reason. You're following me because you ate those loaves and you were filled. You got a free meal out of it. So the next day you come back looking again. I'm not there. So you exert a whole lot of energy and effort and time to come from the eastern shore all the way to the western shore just so you can get some more bread. And so Jesus says, do not labor for the food which perishes but for the food which endures to everlasting life. So what Jesus is saying is, you're seeking me for the wrong reason. You didn't come here for any spiritual teaching. You just came here for a physical meal. You want something to satisfy you today. You're not giving concern to eternity. I'm trying to make your today better by helping you to focus on all of your tomorrows. If they had a chance to just stand and talk with Jesus for a little bit, 
Jesus, would you like to heal all these people with physical ailments, diseases, and so forth? And Jesus would say, yeah, I would. Jesus, everybody that's hungry, would you, would you like to feed them? Yeah, I would. But he'd say, that's not the reason why I came. And that's not the reason why I heal people. And that's not the way, reason why I fed you. <clears throat> I'm trying to get you to see who I am. So that you'll come to understand what I truly offer. That's what I'm really after. I can make your today better. If you understand about your tomorrow. There's a contrast. You seek one thing. And I'm telling you, you ought to be seeking something that's a whole lot better. So let me give you this illustration that I hope will kind of help us to understand the contrast, the difference that Jesus is trying to get across to them. So here it is. You know, as human beings, we seek partners in life, right? We seek compatibility. And sometimes young people will be given advice. Sometimes people will hear this. Sometimes they will even say this. Other people may say it. And the kind of advice that they may hear and sometimes they may repeat will go like this. I'm looking for somebody I can live with. I'm looking for somebody I can live with. Well, let me say this about that. If that's what you're looking for, you set the bar way too low. That's way too low. Instead of looking for somebody that you can live with, you know what you ought to look for? You ought to look for that person you can't live without. That's what you look for. That's what Jesus is trying to get them to see. You want to live with me? I want you to come to understand you can't live without me. John 6, Jesus has performed miracles. And in verse 15, you know what their response is? They come and they want to take him by force and make him king. Hey, we got a guy that can work miracles. He can make my today better. We'll make him king. Our lives will get better today. Verse 26 They come and discover Jesus is not on the eastern shore any longer. He's gone to the western shore. They come looking for him. Why? Because he offers some spiritual teaching? No, because he can give us bread today. Hey, here's a guy we can live with. Jesus is saying, no, you need to understand. I'm the guy you can't live with without. 
So in verse 27, he will say, Do not labor for the bread which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. Physical food, spiritual food. And they're spending a whole lot of time and effort and energy chasing what? (laughs) Physical food. And Jesus is saying, if you're going to put forth that much effort, that much energy, that much time, you ought to seek the kind of food that endures for everlasting life. So look at verse 27 and ask yourself this question. Where are they going to get that? Do not labor for the food which perishes, before the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set His seal on Him. Where do we get it? From the Son of Man? How do I know He's the one to look to? Because God the Father has set His seal on Him. See that word seal means like a stamp of approval. In that day and time, if there was an edict, if there was a letter that came out from the king, it had that stamp, that seal on it. And Jesus is saying, He has set His seal on me. I'm the one. So what Jesus is saying is, very first of all, let's get one thing straight. Just the one thing. Who am I? Verse 35. I'm the bread of life. That's who I am. Because they're thinking, you're just Jesus. (laughs) You're the son of Joseph and Mary. And he said, no, you, you need to see me different. I'm the bread of life. And the reason why you ought to see me different is because the Father has set his seal on me. That proves who I am. Now, here's the part we need to understand. Jesus was prophesied of in the Old Testament. I'm going to give you just a couple of verses. There's multiple ones we could make reference to because time I'm just going to make reference to a couple. Deuteronomy, the 18th chapter. While Moses is leading Israel in the wilderness, it's stated that he, God, will raise up a prophet like him and everyone will be required to hear the words that he speaks that prophet who was to come is Jesus Christ how do I know that he was the prophet to come Isaiah the 35th chapter when he has come the lame shall walk the blind will see the deaf will hear the leper will be cleansed Jesus has done all of those things. He's the one. (laughs) He's that prophet who is to come. Listen to him. So where do I get that bread that endures to everlasting life? From the Son of Man. How do I know that he's the one? The Father has set his seal on him. So now I know he's the one. Listen to verse 28 and 29. 
Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? See, just previous to this, he told them, You're laboring for the wrong thing. So they're okay. So what do we do? Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus said to them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. This is the work of God that you believe in him. You know, that's where a lot of folks get hung up right there. <laughs> I thought faith was just something God gave me. Just one day I, I just had it. <laughs> no. Well, Jesus said, You, you got to work for it. Have you ever heard someone say to another person that they think has a lot of faith, oh, if I just had the faith like they have? Well, let me let you in on a little secret. You can have it. But you know how you get it? you got to work for it. You're going to have to put forth some effort. See, that's what Jesus is telling them. Don't labor for the bread that perishes. You got up this morning. You came down to the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee. I was not there. You traveled all the way over here just to get some bread. (laughs) I'm telling you, labor for the bread that endures to everlasting life. Did he tell them, don't work, sit down and just say, oh, give me faith. That's not what he said, was he? You labor for this. You put forth effort for this. We've been studying the Old Testament, right? We've been studying about kingdoms, right? And in order to have a kingdom, first thing you've got to have is a king. Turn to the pages of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, and what does it open with? A genealogy pointing to the Messiah, the Christ. The anointed one, the Jews had been waiting for, their long-awaited king. How do I know he's the one? Matthew opens with a genealogy. The king that is coming has got to come through this line. How do I know that? Because that's what was prophesied of. (laughs) And that's what is stated in the New Testament. And so what I do is I read that, study that, come to understand, oh, that's pointing to Jesus. That's that king. Well, there was a prophet. And that's what I just talked about a moment ago. And you want to hear him, listen to his words. Well, how do I know he's the prophet? Well, Old Testament tells me. He's going to do these signs. Well, Jesus does that. He's of the right lineage. He does these miracles. I read that study that come to understand that he's the one. John the Baptist points to Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God. The Old Testament had set up a sacrificial system. But the Hebrew writer tells us that the blood of animals, that bulls and goats cannot take away sin. But John says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. How do I know that Jesus was that spotless Lamb? How do I know that He paid the price for me? That His life was acceptable before God? How do I know that? You know how I know that? Because death couldn't hold Him. 
He was raised. See, if you sin, death can hold you. If you don't sin, death can't hold you. Jesus was raised. He's the king. He's the prophet. He's the sacrifice. He's the resurrection. How do I know that? I read it. I study it. I learn it. Do you have to put forth any work to do that? Yeah. Labor for that bread. Because if you do, you come to have trust, belief in Jesus Christ. Now here's the key clincher. Romans 10 and verse 17. You want to have faith? Paul says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Read it. Study it. Learn it. That's how you have faith. Labor for that bread which endures to everlasting life. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. If I do that, then I come to understand what Paul says over in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. That those who live should no longer live for themselves but rather for the one who died for them and rose again. Can we see that? That's what Jesus is trying to get across to them. He's the bread that came down out of heaven. And you know what that will do for you in this life? That will kill depression. That will kill despair. Why? Because I know this life's not all there is. There's something better. You know what else that kills? It kills pride. See, sometimes we get this idea, if I just do enough, if I'm just good enough, then God's going to owe me heaven. Well, you're never going to do enough. You're never going to be good enough. But you know who is? Jesus. So I put my trust in Him. Not in my own effort. But in Him. He's the one. He's the bread. He's where I can get spiritual life. Jesus said, don't labor for that temporal bread. Labor for the bread that endures to everlasting life. And you know what? If you want to have faith, it takes work. It takes work. And that's what Jesus is saying. Work for it. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. There were some in that area that were thinking Jesus was coming back immediately. So you know what they decided to do? Well, we'll just sit down and wait on him. <laughs> He's going to show up any day now. You know what Paul said about that? He said, if a man won't work physically... Don't let him eat physically. (laughs) That's the same principle that Jesus is talking about spiritually. (laughs) You want it? 
You've got to work for it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You've got to put forth effort. So Jesus wants us to partake of this bread. Verse 30. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform? Isn't that interesting? <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Jesus to- just told them, You need to work. Have you ever heard two middle school kids get in an argument? <laughs> well, I told you to do this, but I told you to do that. <laughs> so it's back and forth, back and forth. So Jesus says to them, you got to work for it. Labor for this bread that endures to everlasting life. So they turn around in verse 30 and they say to him, therefore they said to him, what sign will you perform? <laughs> you want us to work? What are you going to do? What sign will you perform that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. So you know what they did? Back up to verse 2. Jesus has performed many signs. And then following that, Jesus is going to feed the 5,000. Notice verse 14. Then those men, so there were some, then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, truly, this is the prophet who has come into the world. But they're wanting to ignore everything else previously. And now they say to him, well, what sign are you going to do? And then you know who they bring up? They bring up Moses and that manna that was given to sustain them physically in the desert. And Jesus straightens them out on that and he says, it's not Moses. <laughs> Moses didn't give you that bread. God gave you that bread. Gave them that bread. Just like he's giving you true bread now. God was the one who gave that bread to sustain them physically. God is now giving you spiritual bread. I am the bread of life. That's the point he's trying to make. And as you take a look at this, and John's gospel, which I find fascinating, Jesus will make seven I am claims. He will say in verse 35, I am the bread of life. And in chapter 8, he will say, I am the light of the world. Chapter 10, I am the door of the sheep. Chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. Chapter 11, I'm the resurrection and the life. Chapter 14, I am the way the truth, and the life. Chapter 15, I am the true vine. See, you read every one of those. You study every one of those. And you know what you're doing? You're eating spiritual food. And you're getting stronger. 
and your faith and conviction. And in Jesus Christ is being solidified. So Jesus says in verse 35, I'm the bread of life. In verse 40, and this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up in the last day. You see what Jesus just did? (laughs) Who am I? (laughs) I'm not Joseph and Mary's son, just physically. I'm the bread of life. Why did I come? What do I offer? Everlasting life. You're sinking temporal bread. I'm telling you there's something a whole lot better. You want the one you can live with? I'm trying to show you the one you can't live without. So notice verse 41 through 45. The Jews then complained about him. (laughs) Sometimes I read that and it's like I almost have to chuckle. (laughs) What have they just done? They came down here on the following day to the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee looking for more bread and they're chasing after him and they say, Rabbi, when did you come here? They're all excited now. We found him. (laughs) And so as Jesus has this conversation with them, now they're complaining about him. (laughs) Well, what happened to be excited about being, you know, finding me? (laughs) Well, that was before we had this discussion. Then the Jews complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up in the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. See that? This is Jesus. We know his father, Joseph, his mother, is Mary. Once again, they're failing to understand who he is and what he offers. In verse 26, they come seeking loaves. And in verse 30 through 31, they challenge his authority. Jesus has already said, the Father has set his seal on me. I have authority to teach you these things. And they go, oh, well, uh, let's, see, let's see if you can do something like Moses did. <laughs> and Jesus said, Moses wasn't the one that gave him to it, that bread to begin with. And so they challenged his authority. And then they reject him from being for heaven using the wrong logic. Jesus is saying the Father has set His seal on me. This proves 
that I am who I claim to be. And they say, oh no, we're going to ignore that because we know Joseph and Mary. And when I read that, I want to laugh to myself. Yeah, there's a genealogy that traces you. But have you forgotten? Would you like to have said to them? So you know Joseph? That's good. You know Mary? Seriously? She was a virgin. And she bore a son. Isaiah 7. And verse 14. And the virgin shall bear a child. And he shall be called Emmanuel. God with us. Now tell me again. You know Mary? Do you? Maybe you don't know her the way you ought to know her. So Jesus is saying. You labor. For that physical bread. Will you labor for that spiritual bread? Verse 53. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. My flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. You know, it seems like in verse 52, this is a hard saying. And in verse 52, it does seem as though they understand that Jesus is talking figuratively. And he is. It says because they debated, they quarreled, among themselves. So they had a rigorous discussion about this. What, what does he mean? How does this apply? And what's he, what's he saying? But they came eagerly seeking Jesus. And now after he's told them that he is the bread of life. And that he has come down from heaven. Now they're wanting to reject him. And so it's creating all kinds of consternation for them. <laughs> Who is he? What is he really offering? And so Jesus says in verse 54, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. So Jesus is using a metaphor. Physically, Through physical food, we take in nutrients and vitamins and minerals and all those kind of good things. And that's what sustains us physically. And what we eat becomes part of us. Have you ever heard someone say, or maybe you've said it yourself, you are what you eat, (laughs) right? That's what Jesus is saying. Spiritually, you are what you eat. Eat my flesh. Drink my blood. Come to understand my life. Come to understand my sacrifice. I'll become part of you. And you will become part of me. And that's what will sustain you spiritually. Verse 58. 
This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. You asked me to perform a sign like Moses. Your ancestors ate that bread. Where are they today? They're dead. I'm inviting you to eat this bread and you can live forever. You're looking for someone you can live with. I'm trying to get you to see I'm the one that you can't live without. Who is he? He's the bread of life. What's he offer? Everlasting life. We can live with physical bread, but we can't live without spiritual bread. Not forever. That's John 6. So we're going to offer the invitation this morning. If you believe in Jesus Christ but never rendered obedience to Him, we would encourage you to do that even this very day. Jesus Himself is the one who said, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. If you're a child of God and not been living as you should and you need to come back to Him, make your life right, now is the opportunity while we stand, while we sing.